This is Soundtrack, a music podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life, because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kaya Lifty. Hey everyone, I'm here with Abby Bonilla. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you doing? Doing well. You're in Youngstown, Ohio mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. How's it out there today? Oh, it's a beautiful day over here. Beautiful day. Spent half the day in Pittsburgh and it was great. It's the similar weather. Yeah. I think the first time we actually met wasn't when I came up to move. It was the year before when you were already living in Detroit. Mm. I also went to Fort Wayne a lot. Well, not a lot, but I went to Fort Wayne a number of times. I don't remember. So the reason we we actually know each other is because of your brother, Lewis, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. lived in Fort Wayne. And he was a part of the same church that I was a part of right. when I was in middle and high school. And I don't, but I don't remember. I don't know. Ever seeing you visit. <laughs> I came quite a few times, but it wasn't like, I think I kind of stuck to a, a, a certain group while I was there too. Okay. But that was like, so 2006, 2007, mm-hmm. uh, that we first met each other, <laughs> which is a long time ago, it feels like now. Oh my gosh, it's a lifetime. And then we were also students at Wayne State. Mm-hmm. Go Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I ever saw you on campus, though. I don't think we ever saw each other on campus. So, yeah, we've known each other for some time and and the relationships that we've had with our mutual friends and Mm -hmm. your brother, Lewis. So a lot of nostalgia Mm -hmm. comes to my mind during those years. So let's talk about you. So you were born and raised in Youngstown, Ohio, and that's like the east side of Ohio. Mm-hmm. interesting place i've actually been there talk about what that was like to live in youngstown to live in youngstown uh well so i spent part of my life here on the south side of youngstown and then i also spent part of my life in liberty which is a township outside of youngstown so it was really interesting to see the difference between being in the city and living in the township but in Youngstown, there is stuff to do. It's just a smaller city. We were in a space that was post-industrial, <laughs> actually had a lot of like mob activity that was happening here as well. So there was quite a bit of corruption in the government, uh, local government. And so, you know, the city definitely had ups and downs mm-hmm. in leading up to like me being here and everything. But no, I mean, I think it was... Just like we would uh, in in our neighborhood, you know, we would run around with the neighborhood kids and it's crazy because that just doesn't happen anymore. (laughs) Everybody has fences in the backyard now too. But I mean, like I remember being allowed to ride to the, to the stop sign and that was it. (laughs) We had to come back, but I'm super thankful um, in particular, the house that we grew up in, it's right near a park. And so we used to take bike rides. We were pretty young with my dad, like in some of the cousins or neighbors would come along too. 
and it's a pretty like nice extensive park that goes a couple across a couple different cities so I was thankful to be exposed to that side of nature even though we're not very outdoorsy at all but to be able to do that was I I think definitely made me appreciate living closer to parks as an adult nice let's talk about your childhood music so if I remember correctly your parents are from Puerto Rico my dad was born on the island. My okay. mom, my mom was first, uh, like first generation here in the mainland. Mm-hmm. And so, with that, there was a lot of Spanish influence in your household, and there's this uh, unique situation too, where not only is there Spanish, but then you're growing up in the church, and so you've got this uh, unique experience in uh, growing up as a kid. How about you share about it? Yeah, we would go to English church and we'd go to Spanish church after that. And my dad, who I really credit, like that's the one I got passion for music from. Um, He played the guitar and he also would sing at the Spanish church. And it was very much, it was a smaller congregation. So everybody did something like I remember even having the desire to learn how to play the tambourine, but I never learned. (laughs) It was like a, almost like a status. When you became a teenager, you're allowed to learn how to play the tambourine. (laughs) Just be, I don't know why, (laughs) but I never quite got there, but I was envious of my cousins who did because they were greatly skilled, but we would have actually, uh, there were different instruments that were like from Puerto Rico that would be in the service and oh, wow. uh, but yeah so my dad would my dad play guitar um, my uncle actually plays piano a couple of his siblings play guitar and so that really was kind of my influence of uh, coming into a musical family and I do not really remember a lot of the music of my childhood but what I do remember is mostly like Spanish Christian songs that were being sung at the Spanish church or around our house a lot because my dad would sing at the at the house all the time and sometimes mm-hmm. it would be like dad enough and now I get it because I'm totally him. <laughs> You're singing around the house too? Oh yeah, and I'm super intentional. Um I have a 2-year-old niece. She's I, I love her. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of sing-alongs. <laughs> but uh I have taught her a number of the songs that I remember from when we were younger. I've been really intentional with that because I'm like, I want her to be connected to her culture. And, and it's, I think when I think about these older songs in particular that are in Spanish, I feel more connected to my family and I feel more connected to my ancestors. So I want her to have that connection as well. What is it about those songs that's allowing that connection to happen? Is there something in the lyrics? I think it's knowing that they know that they knew these songs, that they sang these songs. And I remember I took a trip to Puerto Rico. This was the first, no, it was the first, maybe it was the second time that I went by myself. And I was, have this vivid memory. And this is with an aunt on my mom's side who is born and raised in Puerto Rico. And I was with her. And we were going to visit, like she was taking me to meet some cousins. Nice. And I don't know what it was about, about where we were on top of a mountain, but I just turned to her and I asked her in Spanish, I was like, do you know this song? And I sang it to her and she started singing it. 
And so it was like such a beautiful kind of like that connection of like, well, like, you know, this song, you know, the family members that I had sang it with when I was younger were more on my dad's side. So it was really cool. I think that that's the connection of knowing like this was something that, you know, we went to sing around the house and knowing that elders before us, you know, had sang it. So, yeah. That's so cool. I'm curious, too, of do you know how your dad got into music? You know, I don't think I've ever asked him that because they were all musical. Okay. And I don't I don't remember. My grandpa used to whistle a lot. (laughs) I'm all about that. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't really recall him like playing an instrument or singing. And my grandmother, like she would sing. I don't really recall her having a very good singing voice, but (laughs) she had such a great soul, though. So I honestly have no idea. But now my cousins, my dad's cousins, so they're Mm -hmm. technically our second cousins, they had like a family band and they even had a record. Like I've seen the record. I totally forgot about this. I have seen the record. Actually, I think all of my aunts and uncles from my dad's side uh, had been a part of that at some point with their cousins wow so i don't know where the music stems from but i know that that generation was musical you're definitely like pulling out some memories here kyle so i'm gonna have to go back and talk to my dad of like where did this come from how did you learn yeah should we come back in a week (laughs) (laughs) you know i think it's also like interesting this is a little bit of a sidetrack so i won't go too far you know my dad moving here from the island when he was young Like they lived in such a tight community and even like multiple families in one house, you know, at different points. And so I think that that's kind of like where with their, with some of their cousins, it was very much more like, these are my brothers and sisters because we're growing up together. And so it makes sense to me why like there would be this musical hub across this generation that has shared life together in that way. Yeah. Hmm. I'm curious too, what was it like to be in Puerto Rico for you personally? For me? Oh my gosh. So I did not, I was not lucky enough to go in the summer times when I was younger. I was not that kid. I never went to Puerto Rico until I was an adult. And I think that the first time I went maybe was in 2009. For me, it is very much like a reconnection of like you feel it in your in your it's like in your blood right you feel it when it's like I've come home and knowing that there were just generations of my family who had been here because I'm really privileged to be able to um, know that like back to like four greats at least you know of generations of my family had been there And most of them, at least on one part of the family, um, I haven't done all the digging on the other, were like farmhands. So I think for me, particularly going to the land, so going outside of the city and my aunt who still lives there, she lives in the mountains. So it was very much an interesting thing of realizing that, okay, the mountains, the mountains are the country and the rainforest is in the mountains in the country yeah whereas i feel like for the most part when i think about country here it's like flatlands definitely no rainforest in 
and I mean, if you go into Pennsylvania, there's more mountains than there are in Ohio, but yeah, at least where I'm at. And so, yeah, it was, it was very much just like a, yo, this is real. I'm here. I want to like establish more connection. I mean, there definitely was like the challenge of my Spanish not being as good. We did not grow up speaking Spanish. So I was like really thankful when I, well, I made the decision to learn it at, at Wayne State and that's what yeah. I majored in. And so being able to use that when I went in the next trips has definitely been really, really great, but it's like coming home. Yeah. Even though you were in a Christian household, there were some moments of some, uh, <laughs> some secular music. That's what you would call it yeah. from a Christian perspective. <laughs> some R and B. Talk about that. Yeah. Um, so I will say that we technically were not allowed to listen to secular music when we were growing up, but my mom came through with the R and B between let's see, like, I don't know. There was Whitney Houston, Casey and Jojo. Those are some of the people I've mentioned. Mariah Carey. Right. Oh, there was one other person I was thinking about too. Just some really great artists. And then definitely some great Spanish like salsa music as well from her. But I think that like I am a sucker for a good love song. Oh yeah. <laughs> like sucker for a good love song. And I think that it, that really started with the early exposure to R and B. Because a lot of that is is love sappy songs and, and really great music. So mm-hmm. I, I very much appreciate R&B in particular, but that's because that's what my mom listened to a lot besides like Celia Cruz and Hector Lovells. That's the Spanish music, which wait, I have to pause. I cannot just dismiss them like that because they are like the king and queen of salsa music. So the greats of the salsa music. You said Hector and... Hector Lovell, um, Celia Cruz. So Celia Cruz, she's Cuban. Hector Lovell is Puerto Rican. They're part of, and they had their own projects as well, but they're part of a group called the Fania All-Stars in New York. This is like the birth of salsa really was kind of like a, they pulled in from different genres as well to create salsa music. Uh, Fania All-Stars is just has like an incredible lineup of people. Fania All-Stars was in New York at that time. Um, I think maybe like in the 70s, I want to say, but incredible, absolutely incredible artists. Interesting. So was that something that your parents listened to and then continued to listen to that when they had you and the kids? So it was, (laughs) I'm telling you, like with my dad, it was no secular music. Yeah. (laughs) So this is secular music. So it was stuff that my mom listened to. And then I think I, I definitely had some appreciation for it when I was growing up, but it really was as I was an adult that I kind of like began to explore what's more of their story. Like, who are these people? How is this coming together that I began to appreciate them more, I think, as individuals? Was there something specific about their story that you were connecting to? I think that they were using music to to get their voice heard. Okay. To create something new and fresh, just them coming together as a collective. And especially in a time when there really wasn't space for them in the music community. And they, a lot of them honestly kind of got the short end of the stick 
with management, right? right? Yeah. So I think that that's kind of like the biggest thing of them being able to come together and create magic and be able to share that and, and have an impact on generations to come that they had no clue about. And a lot of them dealing with their own personal struggles as any musician would like, you right. know, <laughs> many musicians do, but them carving out a whole new space in music really, I, I was lucky enough to go to New York. I intentionally chose to stay in Spanish Harlem. There is what I remember, I was there by myself, so I didn't really feel comfortable going to like necessarily like the, the clubs and like experiencing a lot of the music. But I it was intentional with like, I want to explore some of this area. There's this one corner in particular that has a mural of Tito Puente that's just like ingrained in my mind and I can see it and it was I was so geeked when I walked around the corner I really love art in general but to see him on the corner I'm like yo this is like this was you know where magic was happening yeah also had some really great Puerto Rican food in that area (laughs) I bet you mentioned from the R&B artists that you were listening to there was a lot of love songs that you were really connecting with. And I'm curious, what is it about the love songs that makes you want to keep listening to? Like as a, cause this was middle school. <laughs> I've always had a very emotional connection to music, um, which I don't think is unique. I think a lot of people connect emotionally with music. So I think it's more of the sentiment of what they are expressing that is just like, Casey and Jojo, I will never find another lover, my precious thing, you. You know, like something like that, like that you're the like the one and only um, and not like necessarily like this fantasy type of thing, but of like a dedication. But it's the sentiment that is being expressed in the emotion that they're feeling they're, that they're feeling with the as, as they emote, as they deliver the song. There's a, a song that I did not list on here. I don't think it came out when I was a kid, but there's an artist, his name's Kem. And uh, his song, it's called Share My Life. It's essentially just like him pledging, you know, to, the, to this woman, I want you to share your life with me, just like all the things that he's going to love. And so it's not, it's, it's really just like that emotional connection of like, I am being so open and vulnerable right now. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just so beautiful. And then, I mean, Mariah Carey, (laughs) Whitney Houston. Yeah. Casey and JoJo. Those are just the three. Like, Joe, we could could go off in so many people. But, like, incredible vocalists, too. Absolutely incredible vocalists. So, yeah, I think that that's... R&B and soul, honestly, and continues to be something that I connect with because you can go from like a good love song to also like a very sad song. I think that that's just that emotional connection as well. My sister kind of laughs at me when I have like if I have Adele on and she's just like, she's so depressing. And I'm like, no, but I can feel it. I can feel it. And she's just like an incredible vocalist. So I think that those are those are some of the reasons why they resonate with me. Yeah. What's so fascinating about Mariah and, and Whitney 
is like you said without question uh-huh. some of the the most amazing vocal talents ever but they i mean they they brought out hits mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. crazy to see someone with that kind of talent consistently put something out for years and for females too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that time mm-hmm. it's so, a huge thing yeah it's remarkable it's great yeah they definitely uh i had plenty of moments where i was just like singing my little heart out <laughs> to a whitney or mariah song <laughs> like oh get, i sound like them right <laughs> you get those like high pitch the uh, <laughs> the whistles that, that the whistles that's what they're called <laughs> Man, <laughs> no, I can't do that. <laughs> I will. Can, I, I will say. I don't know. I feel like I'm throwing Mariah under the bus here a little bit. <laughs> I have Go so ahead. much respect for Mariah Carey. I do. I so much like respect. We're on the same page here. <laughs> I was so disappointed. Um, I was like, I was so geeked for the New Year's the New, <laughs> the uh, New Year's <laughs> Eve um, performance a couple years back when she was like. The headliner, and I, I actually, I don't use Twitter that often anymore, but I recently hopped back on, and I was looking through, like, some of my old stuff, and I saw this tweet where I was, like, tweeting about what is happening right now. Mariah just is completely falling apart on the stage. It was definitely a little bit of, like, a, oh, that sucks, but it also was, like, a, a humanizing point, right, where it's just, like, hey... <laughs> stuff happens but the next year when she came back was not that great either so I I think that I I definitely connect more with her, some of her older stuff but hey she, you know she's still she'll still be Mariah Carey no matter what yeah post high school you <laughs> you moved to Detroit uh-huh and during that time worship music and hip-hop are are really your your two jives at the at that moment mm-hmm. talk about those experiences yeah so i feel like you can definitely see different phases of my life in the music but i mean i think also in this chapter was very much kind of like a wanting to be grounded in faith wanting to connect with creator on a different level and so me even learning to play piano because I learned to play piano in my yeah. I think I don't know if it was my early 20s or if I was maybe 19 or something at that time I can't remember but I remember like deciding okay I'm gonna learn piano I used to have a keyboard at the house and I know Zach would be like <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he had so enough of me um me playing music in the basement <laughs> oh my goodness but so I eventually became a part of the worship team at the church that we were at at that time. And that really was kind of like the expansion more into like worship music in particular. I feel like all I listened to was worship music and then like Christian hip hop at that time, Christian hip hop and rap at that time, yeah. which yo, like. I don't care what anybody says, like people sleep on them. People sleep yeah. on them. They are incredible artists. And I think I was just looking for like, okay, what can I, what can I connect with? Right. I'm in a new space. And then I had listened to some of them before that, 
but it was more of like finding other alternatives uh, to to mainstream rap as well. I definitely had an appreciation for songs that would kind of connect, put you in a space to connect in, in a different level with creator, and then also songs that would just like get you hype. What artists in the hip hop realm were you uh, listening to? One one six click for sure, which is a number of people. My first introduction to them was Lecrae, uh, yeah. early on, early Lecrae. I honestly don't really listen to a lot of their music now, um, so I don't, I can't speak sure. to the quality of what they're producing now. But Lecrae, Trip Lee, Tadashi, Flame, very much like I, I was always geeked when they had a girl, when they had a girl who would uh, come on and and do like a hook for them. I was I was always hyped for that, but. <laughs> They were, they you'd were, sing, like, you'd sing along to that, right? Yeah, heck yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, I could get some vocals, <laughs> <laughs> but that definitely was that was the crew. They were hype. My sister was about it too. Um, we would share a lot of music uh, suggestions back and forth with each other. And then I remember also from a 116 show, there was a guy who was like, like wrapping up some chords. And I, I don't know how I ended up in conversation with him, but I was in conversation with him and he told me about his music and it turned out he was like, he's affiliated with them, but he does more like Caribbean re- music. So oh. it's like really cool to see, like then explore this other option of, Hey, this is all music that is Christian music, but in all these different spaces. Yeah. I remember like kind of dabbling a little bit into like, Christian salsa music, uh, Christian Caribbean music. Like, it's really cool. It is really cool, like, on an international level to see all the different genres of um, music there are. It's unfortunate that more of those are not the main focus of mainstream music, particularly on the Christian channels. It's all the same thing, and they all look alike, if I could say that. Um, You're right. So I'm going to jump a little bit to, like, one of the groups that I listen to more now and that I really kind of discovered I think it was like in 2016 2017 they're called Common Hymnal Um, and they're a group they're a collective of artists and they put out worship music together though and they have their all individual songs but they really do they're really um, they speak about a lot of social issues and political issues as well in within the context of the church and within the context of worship as well. And it's a very diverse group. And they were connected with United Pursuit. I, yeah, I had gone to a, re, a like, a, I went camping with an old, old roommate of mine um, in Tennessee. And it was like kind of like a music festival that United Pursuit was, ha- was having. And Common Hymnal was there, kind of some of the artists were talking about what they're working on. And it was very cool because it was very much like, hey, let's talk about police brutality. Let's talk about tokenism in some of their music. You know, let's talk wow. about the, the one of the songs I think that really hit for me. It's called Roses. And it's like, look at all these roses, petals on the floor in all of the roses there. He's like, this one's called Mike Brown, you know, like. And so they yeah. list off a, a number of names within right. the song. 
Um, and for me, that was kind of like the first time I was seeing this talked about from somebody in the church. And because I, I, I don't feel like there was a lot of things that were not talked about in the church. So, yeah, that that really resonated with me. So there was kind of like a switch of even within um, worship music, who I'm listening to and what what voices and what message I'm listening to. So I'm, I'm in agreement with you here. I want to ask this question. Why do you think it bugged you that it wasn't being talked about in the church? I think I didn't know how to talk about it either. Being honestly, being in a predominantly white space, I don't think I knew how to like it was an issue. Uh, like the ice raids that were happening in Detroit would I was like on the streets with people from the community. You know, I was especially working at a school at that time in the community there, you know, being able to be alongside other community members was a very like important thing for me. Um, and to not see that, I don't think I knew how to express what the frustration was either to people I was like at the church with or in leadership with. And I think sometimes it's like a lack of knowledge. I think also there's this idea, <laughs> I might be a little like uh, radical here, but there's this idea of um, we're going to come and serve this community and rather than, and you think you're doing a good thing and you have a good intention, right? Yeah. But rather than A, seeing what the community needs actually are, B, partnering with a group that's already there, that's from the community, and C, you may be feeling, is this, is this actually the issue or is this a byproduct of the issue, right? So... I was really frustrated with not seeing more people interested in, you know, let's talk about the systems that are in place here that are causing families to be separated. Even the need for us to fulfill lunch for people, for kids in the summer. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a bigger systemic issue. And so, yeah, those were, it was just, I, I think I also, I realize now that I don't feel like I had the language to speak about it, but seeing like I was one of the few people who were, and this is not to like, you know, brag, sp brag or like speak bad about anybody, but it, I was, it, these issues resonated with me. And I think it also was because like, these are my kids out there. You know, these are the families that I work with out there. This could, I'm so privileged that I am a U.S. citizen. So I don't have to worry about that. And, you know, in police brutality, this is my family out there. And so I think that it, it really resonated with me because I'm connected to it. I'm open to like having conversations, but I, I'm really proud of people that I see who are doing the work now and like trying to understand it. Like from a, from a white perspective as well. Yeah. Any other songs or artists that have spoken to you in dealing with social, political uh, issues that are going on that have brought to the forefront of your mind on even knowing about it, like what that, what that was? Yeah, for sure. 
I, you know, I just, everybody should, should go listen to Common Hymnal. I'm telling you, go listen to Common Hymnal. I'm going to check them out. their music. Incredible, incredible storytelling and an incredible group in with talent galore. But also, I will say Glory. The song is called yeah. Glory. <laughs> Selma. Come on. Yes. They also sing it at the inauguration, which is pretty great. Yeah, so it's, mm-hmm. that's right. But there is like, there's the one line that Common says, I mean, the whole song is just, it, it hits you. But Common says, justice is juxtaposition in us. Justice for all just ain't specific enough. And I feel like when I heard that, like for the first time really heard that lyric, I just sat with it and I was like, Wow. Like specific that justice for all is not specific enough. It's just not specific enough. It really, really a powerful moving song, um, very much kind of like bringing together. And then obviously it being tied to Selma, which is just an epic story and very much a part of our history. uh, That's not taught. (laughs) Um, That is not taught. Or, you know, if there is a mention of it, it's during uh, Black History Month. But uh, that and then also uh, Stand Up by, uh, do you know this one by Cynthia Evero? I believe so. It's from Harriet. Yeah, no, it was a great song, too. Uh, I don't know if it won the Oscar. I don't remember. Whereas Glory did. But what, what about that song for you? They performed it at the Oscars, though. And it was insane. I actually, the artist I had seen before on like a YouTube exploration, like I, because I, she's done Broadway stuff and I had seen her with another Broadway artist and it was a while before I connected that this is who this was. But I think I had, I saw her and I was hearing her voice and I was like, wait a minute, I've heard her on something else. So she's just like phenomenal. But the whole idea of like I'm going to create a place you know for you and knowing that this is connected to once again you know free the freeing of slaves and enslaved peoples and the pursuit of that idea of freedom and being able to live a life it really just is a very empowering song of like we're still in the fight we're still in the fight and we're not going to give up. And I think that uh, we need reminders of the people who have gone before us. And I feel like this, yeah. this, the movie, well, there's a lot of ideas about the movie. There's a lot of thoughts about the movie, but I feel like this is a song that just honors Harriet in such, in such a, a incredible way and resonates with a new generation. So I feel like both of those songs, I mean, John Legend also, I believe wrote <laughs> yeah. wrote stand up. So it makes sense that they're both very like kind of like gospel tunes as well right. um, and very anthemic. And I, I think that they can and have been anthems for current generations. I love that. Let's talk about uh, your late 20s. <laughs> oh, you don't want to? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just said late 20s. I'm just like, oh, man. I know. It's crazy. What I think I appreciate about your music is how eclectic it it is. 
there's the the Christian music of like United Pursuit, House Fires, but then Adele, Alicia Keys, mm-hmm. and then the Spanish speaking artists that we mentioned earlier, and then Sleeping at Last, which <laughs> is awesome. But let's talk about Adele and Alicia. Yeah. What about those? Just like incredible. <laughs> like uh Whitney and Mariah yes so I will say in addition I think that all of them me me being an an artist right me being a musician as well I think that that also plays into my appreciation for music and for the incredible talent that people have the amount of control that these women have over their tool over their instrument in their voice is is insane so i that's like one thing but i can also say like all of these the women that i've mentioned and i think also like like destiny's child was on it was another group that i listened to like it was all very much powerful woman and that was sharing her story and standing on her two feet yeah so i think that these are these are strong women who are in the industry that are vulnerable with different so- different you know portions of their songs and like fighters with yeah. the other you know portions of their songs and obviously you know i don't know if all of them have written all of their music but you know but they they do such a good tie ta- such a good job of storytelling and uh, being able to connect with different art audiences and different times in your life and that's like very common for music to like it hits you but Adele Adele was also in like I didn't Adele was in like my Sam Smith phase too (laughs) which I still have mad appreciation for I I think I'm gonna come back to that whole idea of it being the emotion uh the emotion of that is delivered with every song Oh, yeah. really much like just takes me to that place of of being able to connect uh, and I think also as a musician I look for even though I may not have experienced that same thing how can I how how does that resonate with me where does that particular ache that heartache come from uh, and being able to deliver that in a vocal and Alicia Keys is just like incredible oh, yeah. just incredible and very like humble. I really appreciate oh, that. She's she is solid. Mm-hmm. I I appreciate her personality. Mm-hmm, for sure. Like, you just don't you don't typically see that in music artists across the board, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's just it's nice to see something that frankly resembles more of uh, my introvertedness myself Mm -hmm. i guess Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah for sure and adele needs to drop that album i know right come on come on i'm waiting already (laughs) (laughs) she's just like when there was with her last album her having to cancel part of her tour and you know because due to vocal damage like you know of this being potentially being the end of adele like in the music it, that was definitely I don't feel like I necessarily get really really like attached to artists but I was okay. just like this is this would be a such a loss for the music industry uh, if she was not able to regain yeah. or, or you know to use her tool in that way 
her her instrument for sure especially with how young she was at the time yeah i mean she's still young but you know i, I think she was like 27 28 somewhere in her 20s yeah so yeah that would have been devastating <laughs> i would have cried i definitely adele is i haven't been to many concerts i don't know if it's fair for me to say i'm not necessarily a concert goer then um like it's not my thing but i would absolutely love to see her live yeah. i think that would be just her and mark anthony oh <laughs> those would be like two amazing um artists to see mark anthony it's more just the nostalgia of like right. it's mark anthony for any Puerto Rican household, like, well, you just need to know. <laughs> but I'm bummed. <laughs> now, talk about some of the artists that you're listening to in the, in the last few years. So, I listen to. I mean, we've kind of covered some of them already. Like you've come back to them. I feel like is that fair? No, I, I mean, I definitely think some have stuck around <laughs> and there's been different, you know, I went through this whole like, oh, you can't listen to secular music phase for a really long time Yeah. <laughs> in my late teens, 20s. And so it was really beautiful to reconnect with some of the artists who had an influence when I was younger, too. So it was really great to like reestablish kind of connection with some of these all time incredible artists. Um, but I honestly do a lot of searching for different artists now, too. I heard somewhere that by age maybe 30, people stop listening to new music. And I don't know like if how true that is, but it definitely made me realize I think I had started just only listening to like, oh, 90s R&B, 2000s R&B you know, music I was familiar with. So I have definitely been intentional of let me find like new artists as well. And That's so I, I've done a bit more exploration into like indie worship in particular. So that's kind of where uh, Chris Rez, uh, Renzma, Strahan, I saw him in, in Texas in like a cafe shop. He's from, I think he's from New Zealand. And so there's like these lesser known artists who take a very different approach to music. So I, I have a, a very great appreciation for indie music and most of it's indie worship music. So I tend to just like type something into Spotify and if, if I can find a playlist, then let's go off of that and then I'll create my own. Then also <laughs> I actually do listen to quite a bit of like EDM and lo-fi music. Oh, yeah. But I don't, I can't tell you any artists from that. I just kind of type it in and like, let's get to work type of thing. Okay. Yeah. Not for dancing. <laughs> there is a lot of dancing, actually. I, I feel like that would be you. I have never been to a um, electric forest, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I've never been to, um, I would really love to go to like an EDM concert. And just have that experience, and that would be really cool. I have a lot of festival friends, but nice. I just haven't gone with you know with them for any of that. But yeah, dancing. I will say though, uh, I'm a big fan of if we do go out like dancing somewhere. I I technically want to. I typically 
want to find like whatever Latin spot is around and right. like, let's go hear some salsa merengue. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What is it about music that allows us to, as humans, enjoy it? Why do we listen to music? I think it's the emotion, what it stirs in us, how we can escape into the music, how we can share experiences with other people, and even music that doesn't have lyrics to it. It still yeah. makes you feel something. Yeah. So I think that there is just a very um, powerful energy that is that music and sound hold that intentionally can evoke something in you. It sparks something in you. Well, Abby, thank you for doing this. Yeah, this was so great, Kyle. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kyle Lichty. Each person interviewed has created a playlist of the very songs that have impacted their life. If you are interested in listening to their playlist, you can head straight to our website at soundtrack.fireside.fm. Click on Soundtrack Playlist and it will take you straight to their playlist on Spotify. If you like the podcast and want to know more, check out our Instagram at Soundtrack Podcast or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack.